Welcome to Obsessed with Design, a show about what makes designers tick. My name is Josh Miles. I'm a designer, principal, and brand strategist at Miles Herndon, a branding agency in beautiful downtown Indianapolis. Today on Obsessed with Design, I catch up with the CEO and founder of Up There Everywhere, Julian Stubbs. Julian and I talk about his decision to launch what he calls a cloud-based agency and how his agency manages to succeed with exactly zero employees. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Julian Stubbs. All right, guys, today I am very excited to have all the way from Stockholm, Julian Stubbs. Julian, welcome to Obsessed with Design. Josh, thank you very much for having me on. Pleasure to be here. And uh, as I talked about earlier, Julian is the founder and CEO of Up There Everywhere, a brand strategist, writer, and public speaker. Of course, my first introduction to you, Julian, was through a mutual friend in the branding and marketing world here in Indianapolis. And we had a chance to chat a little bit earlier this summer. And I was, I was really intrigued by some of the stuff that you had to say. And I thought, Hey, the next time we talk, I should, I should have this conversation live on the show. So, so here we are. Great. Pleasure to do it. Cool. So I do want to dig into, uh, kind of the story of up there everywhere, but maybe to begin, um, I'm curious how you got into the uh, into the the marketing and agency world in the first place. What's your what's your origin story? <laughs> well, it's kind of a fun one. So when I was uh, at college studying something completely unrelated to marketing, I had a, a weekend job like a lot of students, and um, I worked I worked in a market <laughs> on a market stall selling mm. things, and uh, the guy who ran the the stall, he was a very savvy businessman. And I tell you, I learned more about marketing and selling on that stall than any job since. He was just a master of display and marketing and sales. And uh, I kind of thought, well, actually, I enjoy this more than what I was doing, which was a bit academic. <laughs> and I, thought, I really <laughs> quite enjoy, enjoy selling and marketing. And that sort of led to the interest. And I changed my changed my course. So, yeah. It's cool. I feel like it should be a prerequisite for, for students who are in marketing or design or anything. Cust to Customer interface, there's nothing like it. Um, and kind of similarly, funnily enough, one of the first brands I worked on when I was a junior account manager was uh, a drinks brand called Beef Eater Gin. Mm -hmm. And uh, went along with the team to Beef Eater. They were our client and we were doing advertising and uh Below the, line, below the line point of sale material. And I asked the, the, the marketing director about the Beefeater brand, and he said, uh, well, ask the receptionist on your way out. And so I went down, asked the receptionist, and she knew off the top of her head why Beefeater was superior as a brand to other gins, how it was distilled. And that was a real insight that, you know, great brands, they, they get everybody in the organization oriented around the brand. And, you know, stayed with me that, you know, so few companies today and so few brands actually have that depth of, of brand uh, engagement from their employees. And really, you know, when you get that together, it's really powerful. So that kind of stayed with me as well. I was uh, just thinking about my 
my senior year of high school, I was talking with a, a businessman that was a friend of my dad's and he owned a small agency. And my dad as the financial services guy thought, you know, cool if you want to do something with this, you know, art thing, but mm. you know, maybe you should talk to a guy that owns an agency before you decide what to study. So, uh, one of the things that he threw out was, you know, of course you need to think about the fact that you're, you're going to be in sales at some level or another, regardless of where you fall in the agency world. And, um, you know, that just that context and that advice really changed me from going t- into a pure art degree school to something that was mm. more broad and liberal arts focused. So, mm. um, I would definitely encourage our, our listeners to consider those things as well. Good, good advice. And, you know, and I know all agencies struggle with this sometimes when they're trying to define what they are and what they do. And it, I mean, it all gets sometimes a bit too academic and in truth, we help people sell stuff. Um, that's pretty much what it boils down to, whether it's through brilliant, beautiful design or, you know, advertising campaigns or digital campaigns nowadays. But in the end of the day, you really do help people sell stuff through marketing. Right. And, you know, maybe to switch gears a little bit, as, as you and I talked a little bit uh, before the top of the show, um, you're doing a lot of travel these days, a lot of speaking. Um, maybe you could fill in the audience on kind of what a normal, if there is such thing <laughs> as a normal week is for you and, and kind of how you spend your time. Sure. I mean, we are, uh, if you look us up, if you Google me on or the company up there everywhere, you'll see that we're a cloud-based agency. And so um, that, that still means that we're very real. We get to meet our clients and we, we meet real people. So my typical week, I mean, I could be traveling two or three times in a week. I could be at clients' offices. I could be giving speeches. Our clients are global. And so we travel globally. And um Things like Skype and uh, GoToMeeting and all that, those kind of communication technologies, they still don't replace actually physically meeting people and traveling. So coming up, uh, not next week, but the week after, I will be uh, I will be in Kazakhstan uh, giving a speech. I've never been to Kazakhstan for two days. Um, I'll be giving a speech there. Then I'll be flying back. I will be giving another speech in Bruges in Belgium. Um, and then two days later, I'll be in L.A. running a workshop. And, um, you know, probably not a typical week with going to the extremes of Kazakhstan and L.A., <laughs> but that's a, that's a pretty typical week. And the fact is, I think what's driving it, what's driving our business, the world, if you've ever read the book, The World is Flat by Thomas Friedman, mm-hmm. the fact is it is. And so your customers and, you know, the people who work with you could be anywhere in the world nowadays. Well, that's, a, I think, a really good segue. Tell us a little bit about kind of the concept behind up there everywhere and, and what it means for you guys to be a cloud-based agency and a, and a global agency at the same time. Sure. So when we set up, when we set up in 2011, um, my business partner and I, uh, Eric Dowell's my business partner, he's based in New York and I'm based in Stockholm. We'd had a traditional bricks and mortar agency, which we sold. We did our normal three-year uh, earn out. And then at the end of it, we said, okay, so what are we going to do now? Um, and we went through lots of different options. And then we came back to, okay, well, let's, let's do what we know best. Um, and if we were going to set up some kind of brand and marketing agency, what would we do differently than we'd done before? And we both said, you know, actually nowadays uh, you need to be more flexible than ever with the swings of the economy. Um, and, and the economy goes up 
higher than ever and it falls lower than ever. So being more flexible is key, being more global is key. So we said, well, let's set up a, a cloud-based agency and let's not have any employees. And so it started with two of us. And so both of us had our own, we were both freelancers at that stage and had our own little businesses. We built an umbrella brand above, above us. Um, being cloud-based, we said, okay, we're going to call it up there everywhere. And we'd been using tools like Dropbox and uh, Basecamp and uh, in those days, iChat from Mac and then and Skype came along. So we'd been using all that stuff to work for probably five, four or five years at least. And we realized that those tools nowadays really worked. Back, if you remember, in the 2000s, the early 2000s, the dot-com crash, everybody talked about it, but it didn't really work. You didn't mm -hmm. really have the band bandwidth. But then all of a sudden, the tools started to work. And uh, we said, okay, let's work that way. And so we set up a cloud-based agency. We didn't have an office. Uh, we, we worked at home. We worked in coffee shops to begin with. And that was great. And we, I think first year, we did about half a million dollars of sales. And then you suddenly get busy and you need other people. So what do you do? Well, we said, okay, well, what we're not going to do is break the rule we've set up under, which is no employees. Mm -hmm. And we decided to take on people we knew and we could trust as, as members to join a community. And up pretty much became a community really quickly of people with shared talents and beliefs. And we started to recruit people. And actually, we would, you know, take on people we knew to begin with. But then when people outside of that community wanted to join as well, provided they knew somebody on the inside who could sort of vouch for them, we would then interview them. So we went from that in 2011 to today we'll do about three million dollars this year we still don't have any employees we've got about 160 people as members in the up community who work with us globally we're in about probably about 30 different locations around the world mm -hmm. mostly bigger cities but some smaller places and that's the way we run the business and then when it came to offices we stuck to that as a principle we don't have traditional offices what we do do is we take shared spaces we, we find great co-working spaces then we will take a number of desks in that space we rent them then our members can use them whenever they want and then we've got conference room facilities for client meetings and things like that so we have those facilities now in stockholm in uh, new york and uh, in hamburg and now we're looking on the west coast somewhere probably south of san francisco so that's that's how we run the business very nice. So, um, still just the two of you as true employees then? We're not employees. Even we're not employees. There's not a single employee. I have my own freelancing company. So does mm. my business partner. And then up is a legal entity, uh, one global legal entity. It's a limited company, uh, that interfaces with the clients and, and invoices the clients. Um, and then the individual members of a team will invoice up for their work. And that's, that's how it works. So do you have even, um, just sort of members on a case by case basis who are interfacing with the client or is that you and your partner who are kind of leading the relationships? Nope. What's tended to happen as we've grown people, I think very naturally, we all struggle to work with groups larger than, you know, 15 to 20 people. 
Mm-hmm. And so people have formed cells within the organization of people they like working with. And so on the West Coast, there's a cell, on the East Coast, and then in Netherlands, Germany, Sweden, and it happens pretty naturally. And then obviously, once we meet a client, we we select an account director, account manager, who's going to deal with the client. And then with the client, we build a client team. And the client team could be anywhere in the world. And a lot of our clients are global, so they actually want a global team. Um, but we build the, the client team with the client. And if you take if you take the typical situation of an agency you know, in a building somewhere, what normally happens is when a new client comes in, quite often the people who work on that client's business are the, are the people who've got le- less billable hours. Whereas in, in our case, there's no vested interest in terms of who we put on the client's business. Mm-hmm. Um, and so actually we select the best team that we can see is going to succeed for the client. And that works really well. So are all of the, I think this is just fascinating by the way. So I'm going to ask you a lot of questions about it, but so are, are all of the projects or all of the clients that, that up works with, are those all ones that you and your partner bring to the table or do you have other members who will bring a new client up as well? Uh, every, every which way. I mean, it could be, uh, there's four or five senior people in the company who tend to be the people who, you know, win new business, find new business. They're the people who are more, sales oriented maybe um equally you know creative people are working on a job and they say listen you know i'm just doing this little bit but maybe if we work together on this we could do more for this client and they bring that piece of work in then nowadays as you know with with content marketing and inbound marketing we're big we're, we're big into inbound and content we run a lot of that for our clients but equally we use it to promote ourselves so clients find us, which is great. And, uh, you know, that's that's pretty much, I'd say, 50% of where the business comes from today. Do you think you'll see more agencies like Up showing up in the future? Have you seen this uh, happening globally already? Um, funnily enough, globally, no. Um, domestically, there are a few and a few with slightly different variants. You know, and there's a, there's, it takes a while to work out how the system should work and the processes and routines, and, and we've been through that, so we've kind of learned that. But there's there's nobody globally doing what we're doing today. And you know, one of the one of the things we had to do, which was difficult in in year two and three, once we started growing, we had we'd acquired quite a few clients with different projects. We couldn't find uh, a, a cloud-based financial software to manage the business the way our business was set up. Mm-hmm. And for about a year, we were looking at different options and we couldn't really find one to fit. So one of our members is an IT guy. I mean, an extremely smart IT guy based in the US. And he said, you listen, he said, I think I can design the software for the business. Mm. So we took about a year, spent a load of money, and we designed our own software platform for finance and admin. And that, that platform is the backbone of the business today. It's a database of all the members, all the, all the different rates, uh, all the clients. It manages all the transactions, whether it's estimating, invoicing. And now we've just added in a module which manages the monthly general ledger as well, so all the monthly fixed costs. Um, and that's become a real asset in the business. And uh, we couldn't find it out there, so we had to, we had to invent that piece ourselves. 
do you feel pretty confident in, in most of those other tools that you're using for file sharing and Skype and those kind of things? Or do you foresee other tools that you'll want to build for up as well? I, I can see the day where we're actually building some of those tools ourselves. Um, I mean, they're pretty good. Um, but like all these things, you know, you could improve on it for your own business. And we're starting to look at that right now. We've just actually launched one, which is a iPhone app. Um, where, which we give to our clients because clients would come to us and say, okay, where was that latest bit of artwork for that ad or for that poster? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Dropbox is great, but it can sometimes get a bit messy. And so we created and, and, uh, our own app called the up app. And we give clients now that app and they basically go into it and it's like going into their own room and there are all the latest versions of the ads and posters and exhibition stand designs, high-resolution PDFs uh, or links, uh, as well as all their invoicing, estimating, all in one place. And so, again, that was a tool we didn't have, we couldn't find, and so we invented it. So that's become an asset to the business as well. So I think you know, technology is just changing the business out of sight. So those things we think will, will continue. Yeah, I wonder if that's um, another trend that we'll see in agencies of the future that that technology is kind of an inherent part, uh, you know, that it's sort of one part agency and one part tech firm. Yeah, I think that's what we're becoming. We, we've had that conversation nearly every year at the um, when we have the end of the year meeting, you know, are we, you know, how, how important is digital to us? Well, you cannot separate us from digital today mm-hmm. because it's so important. The, you know the tools we use, the way we work, plus creating client digital content, promotion, websites, and everything else. You, you can't separate us away from that. And I think agencies have to be in that world as well. Well, I'm guessing this has probably been something you guys have discussed already, but do you see a day where perhaps you will take your accounting system or other technology to market and sell that to other agencies? Or do you foresee that being just a proprietary tool for, for up? Well, funny you should say that. <laughs> so um, for about a year now, we've been discussing, okay, so uh, what should we do with the technology and the knowledge we've acquired? And so we actually launched a, a plan about a year ago to make the technology, make the learning and make support available to other agencies. And we're going to be launching that sometime in 2017. Hmm. Um as a as a as a as a monthly product that you buy, you buy it online. You pay with credit card. You have access then to the system. We then take you through how to use the system. You go through learning modules. We take you through how to run a business in the cloud the way we've set our business up, and um, that will launch as I say in 2017 on the monthly subscription. And we're gonna we've already built uh, the product modules. There'll be a, a starters module a pro module, an enterprise level module. And they're based on what we see as different sizes of enterprise. So a smaller enterprise could be anywhere from five to 10 people. Um, The mid size will be 10 to 50 individuals working together, maybe with 20 to 30 to 40 clients. The enterprise level will be up to a thousand people. And that's the way we're structuring the products. And, we're really excited about that because we actually think it's a better way to work. 
Now, we don't think it's for everyone. We don't think every agency will want to do it. But mm-hmm. actually, I think there's quite a few people like us who think there must be a better way to run a business um, more profitably, certainly more flexibly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really the secret that this gives you, greater flexibility. So we're launching that in, in 2017. Yeah, love it. If if you need uh, some beta testers, you'll have to have to let me know. We, I'm sure we could take a look at I it will. or uh, reach out I to will. our listeners as well. Yeah, sure. So, um, speaking of our listeners, if there are people who are listening to this show and thinking, "Oh man, this up thing sounds amazing," how do I get involved with that? Are you guys actively looking for new members, or uh, kind of where do you guys stand on that? So we um, we we must get oh, I don't know anywhere between ten and 20 people a week approach us uh, who want to join. Um, but we really do distinguish ourselves between ourselves and some of the freelance uh, employment models. And and we really say, actually, the only way in is, is on recommendation. And we think that's a really important factor because, you know, our business lives and falls on people. And, and getting the right people is critical. And so what we say is that... Uh, if somebody on the inside endorses you, then you get to the interview stage. And at that point, then people go through three interviews. Um, we look at, obviously, skills. We look at ability to work this way as well. And again, I'm not convinced everybody could work this way. You know, it is for some people, but it's not for everybody. And we really try to be honest about, is it going to work for you and for us? And um, that's the way we recruit new people. And we're very careful about who we recruit. We also target certain geographies as well. At the moment, about a year ago, we started work in Germany, and now we're um, we're building a great business in Germany. I, I have to think that the the clients who are attracted to a virtual agency may have a little different mindset than the traditional client. So, how do you define what makes a great client for Up, and and where do you feel like those best clients come from? That's uh, a good question. And we were, you know, originally we were thinking, you know, this isn't going to fly with <laughs> big conservative clients. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is it has because they were pretty much the same way globally as well. Now, they may have, you know, offices, but even so, you know, big global companies and we work with one of the world's biggest global companies. They, they love it because it gives them flexibility. We're where they are. Um, and they're looking for alternative, more flexible, more business-oriented models. A lot of our clients want to work with a global agency. They want a global input. They want a global team. They don't always, and they can't always afford the cost. Mm-hmm. And in truth, a lot of global agencies, and I've worked in a global agency, uh, they become silos of profit centers. And so they're no more global than you know a, a local agency. They may have a global brand name, but they tend to work very locally. So the beauty of our model is it is truly global, and you can wrap a global team around the client. So I've not actually, we've not actually had that many clients say, no, 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 the model, you know, you're crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> so very, very rarely, and I'm kind of surprised because it is different, but the fact is it delivers and it works, and we've seen the evidence of that. And so um, that hasn't been a hindrance at all. Sure. Well, maybe conversely, are there any red flags that you watch out for in the sales process of, you know, companies or organizations that you feel like are a bad fit for how you guys operate? 
Well, you know, when we go in to first meetings, when we get to meet the clients, it, it's not so different to working in a traditional agency. And I've always believe that, you know, pretty quickly you work out if it's going to work. And it's based on the chemistry you feel and how you get on. And the fact is, you know, if you don't feel it and if you feel something's going to go wrong, it will go wrong anyway, whether you're cloud-based or based at an office or whatever. And um, so often, you know, you get that feeling, you just think that this, this is going to go wrong somewhere. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's never changed. So it's just kind of a gut feeling for you guys then yeah i mean we take them through how we work and uh let them know that and uh, as i said we generally get more positives out of it um some are working kind of the way we work as global enterprises i'm always amazed actually how few companies still use a lot of the tools that are out there to work more efficiently and uh, they quite often end up copying some of our methods because uh, it's a great way to work so maybe for for up as a whole or maybe for you personally what do you find are some of your favorite types of projects to take on well um i was lucky pretty early on and and we still work with them we worked with uh the nobel foundation and nobel prizes are every uh december and uh, in october they announce the winners and uh, in december they give away the nobel prizes in stockholm there's one prize which is given away in Oslo, which is Norway, and we get to work on that. We get to work on the Nobel Peace Prize concert, which is the music concert that happens the day after the Nobel Peace Prize is given away. I've actually mm. attended the Nobel Peace Prize event, which is just mind-blowing in its own right to be there with the prize winner. But we got to work on the the, the rebranding of it, the identity. We do the social media, the website oh, cool. outreach. Uh, all the video outreach, and we've worked on that for six years. I mean, a great client to work on, a great cause. Um, so that that's kind of a really fun one to work on. Is that event always in Oslo? Yes, the Peace Prize is always in Oslo. And the other five uh, prizes, Nobel Prizes, are given away in Stockholm. And the reason is, this is boring for some people maybe, but it's, it's history. Alfred Nobel uh, was a Swede, but at the time... Uh, he actually wrote his will, giving all of his wealth to the prizes. Um, Norway was part of Sweden. Oh. Uh, it was it, it didn't become an independent country till 1905, and he died, I think, in 1901 or 1900. So, but he said, you know, Oslo is the place. These these guys in Oslo are really committed to the peace cause. So the peace prize should be given in Oslo, and he stipulated that in his will. So there's actually two Nobel. Uh, foundations, the one in Oslo for the Peace Prize, and then the one in Stockholm for all of the other prizes, including literature and including the one that Bob Dylan apparently is going to turn up to pick up in uh, in December. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Tell us about one of your proudest professional moments. Oh, boy. Um, well, I think uh, going back Funnily enough, a, a mutual friend of ours, I got to work a few years ago. This is just before we set up, up um, worked with um, worked with Technicolor, the old Hollywood mm-hmm. movie brand. We, we did the rebranding of Technicolor, which was, for me, just such a cool project to work on because, you know, everybody's heard this word Technicolor. We use it almost in everyday speech and it's, you know, 
and then to actually walk into the office uh, and present to them in the, in a room with an Oscar at the end of the room that they won for, I think it was Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so um, that certainly made me smile. <laughs> I think still, um, you know, I've got young kids and every now and then they get on a, uh, a film that they want to watch over and over and over and over. And every now and then it's uh, wizard of Oz, but that, that is still a movie that amazes me for, for the age, all the things that they did so well within that film is just astounding. Absolutely incredible. Incredible. Well, I, I find that, uh, most people that I interview on this show is I always ask them this question. So I'm going to ask you as well, but what would you say that you are personally most obsessed with right now? Boy, I think, um, I don't want to give my age away, but I, I'm not a millennial and (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even sure I'm a Gen Xer, but I'm really proud of the fact uh, that I can talk technology with anybody uh, and, and generally not lose my way. And the fact is, I think some people, technology, they're afraid of it. And the fact is, you've got to jump into it and, and you know, grab it because it, it just does so much for you today. Um, and you keep discovering new great things it can do for you and sort of change the way you do things for the better, mostly. Um, so I, I think I think kind of that's it for me, that continuous learning. You can never stop learning in this business. So uh, for me, that's that's a really cool thing. Well, maybe it's related to the learning thing. And I know we're uh, getting tight on time. So I just want to ask you a couple more things before we get going. But what would you say is the best piece of advice that you've ever received professionally or maybe one of your favorite pieces of advice to pass along to others? Well, I think... Um, I, I guess the truth is you'd never go into business if you were rational. Um, I think, <laughs> you know, it's scary. And I think sometimes we always, we, we think too hard and long about things. And sometimes you've got to go with a bit of gut instinct. And um, I'd, I'd say that don't be afraid to try it and don't be afraid to fail at first because uh, anybody who ever did anything worthwhile, you know, you're going to do that. So, you know, jump in and have a go and uh, do the best you can and work out you know, a system to make it work. But, um, you know, don't don't hang around too long. Do it. Yeah, love it. So before I officially let you go here, maybe you could tell our listeners a little bit more of where to find you, where to find up and uh, how to track you down on the internet webs. Sure. Well, it's it's really easy if you can spell my name, Julian Stubbs. Uh, stick it in Google and uh, you'll find me. In fact, um, I'll tell you a funny little story about that. So about probably 10 years ago, I'm sure we all Google our own name to see how we're doing. <laughs> I, I, I Googled my name and I found out, I think my name's pretty, you know, it's not exactly John Smith, so it's it's kind of different. Mm-hmm. I found out I was only one of one place on the first page of, of, of Google. You know, shock horror. There's other Julian Stubbses in the world, and so, <laughs> some some of them are obviously more notable than me because uh, you know they had a couple of entries on on the first page of a Google search. So I became obsessed with, well, you know, this is my business, my name. Mm-hmm. I've got to be, I've got to own the slot, and that's actually, funnily enough, where I discovered content marketing 
an, an SEO. <laughs> and it, it really just led to me thinking, okay, I can, I can change this. So actually, if people want to find me, uh, go into Google, put my name in, you will find me. I'm, I'm at least eight or nine, if not 10 of the uh, hits you'll get on, the, on a Google search. Um, so really easy to find me. The company name up there everywhere. If you Google that, you'll find us as well. And uh, yeah, we always love contact from anybody. Excellent. Well, Julian, I, I wish you much success with the uh, upcoming software launch next year and uh, with, with everything you have going on with the Nobel Peace Prize coming up later uh, next month. Uh, so thanks for taking a few minutes to chat with us today. You're welcome, Josh. Good to talk to you. Yeah, good to talk to you. And uh, thank you for being obsessed with design. All right, guys, that is episode number 44 in the books. Thank you so much for helping us grow the show. And please head on over to iTunes and give us a review and a rating. It helps others to find the show. And I love to hear other people's thoughts on what we're up to with Obsessed with Design. If you've got a second, tweet to at Obsessed Show or at Josh Miles and let us know who you think we should interview next. Obsessed with Design is a product of the Design Obsessed team at Miles Herndon, a branding agency located in downtown Indianapolis. Hit us up online. We are at milesherndon.com. Our intro music is Matchbox Girl by Cassie Joe, and our show is always edited by Jen Eds at the Brassy Broadcast Company. Visit brassybroad.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.